Welcome to the OTP, the official Titans podcast. My name is Mike Keith. Amy Wells is here. Hello, Mike. It's time for a little Mac and Three. I love a good Mac and Three. Mac and Three, not only is it Wells and myself, but it is also the great Jim White from TitansOnline.com. Happy to be here. And Titans Radio's head coach, David McGinnis. Coach Mac? First Mac and Three of training camp, right? That's it is exactly the first right. Mac and Three of training camp. We Pretty. have multiple ones on the way. Pretty solid. Pretty solid stuff. All right, so let's delve right in. Um, two roster moves, both in the wide receiver core. Cameron Batson on injured reserve. And then the Titans also waived Joe Parker, the rookie wide receiver from Chattanooga. And they bring in a wide receiver who's got an NFL pedigree, Tanner McAvoy from uh, Wisconsin is where he originally came out of. But mostly he's played a couple years uh, with the uh, Seattle Seahawks, big receiver, 6'6", 229. And then they bring in a little guy, 5'8", 188, Poppy White, a rookie from Ohio U. Let's start with McAvoy for a second. You know him from your time sure. in the NFC West. He was a guy – he went to South Carolina as a quarterback. He prepped at Bergen Catholic, which is that fantastic high school in New Jersey. Put out a lot of players. Put out a ton of players. And so he goes to South Carolina as a quarterback. Ends up leaving there after a redshirt year, goes to Arizona Western, throws 29 touchdown passes, transfers to Wisconsin, or goes signs with Wisconsin, stays there for three years, and in that time he plays safety. He had 70-plus tackles and seven interceptions. He played running back. He rushed for over 700 yards. He played quarterback, and he played receiver. In the NFL, he's been a receiver and a special teams player. What can you tell us about McAvoy? Well, he's one of those guys that always piques your interest as a coach when you're looking at people because of his size and because of his his multiple athletic skills. He doesn't possess – I mean, he's got height. He's a long player, but he doesn't – he's not a guy that's extremely twitchy. He's not a guy that's extremely blazing fast, but he's a good athlete and he's a good combat catcher because of his size downfield and those types of things that he can do. And plus, he can contribute on teams. And here's what – those guys, when you constantly churn the back end of your roster, those are the type of guys you're looking for. You're not looking for somebody to come in and start. That's not where you churn the bottom of your roster for. You're looking for guys that can come in and specifically do one or two things. If it's a multiple uh, talented athlete that can do a couple of things for you, can be a special teams player, can cover on special teams, and then can be able to fill in if somebody were to drop out during the course of a ball game or during the course of a season. Well, then that's why you always keep these guys around. They'll get a longer look just because of his height, his length, and his multiplicity of things that he can contribute to your team. Amy, you and Jim have both had a chance to really watch Cameron Batson a great deal. One of the winners of the off-season program in terms of his effort, one of four players uh, named top off-season players by Mike Vrabel and staff. Uh, Batson's injury and his departure to IR um, 
stake through the heart for a young man who seemed to have made a lot of progress. Absolutely. It wasn't five minutes before he went down with an injury that we were saying, man, he's really having a good camp. He was someone that was consistently making plays and was consistently showing up when his number was called no matter what was going on. And just so heartbreaking to see a guy who put in so much work that he was recognized by the entire team for it and then not get the the outturn. What word am I looking for? The output that he wanted. The he, The results. There yeah. it is. Yeah, Golly. Um, I knew what you meant. Yeah, but it, it it's always heartbreaking to see things like that, and it happens every camp. There's always someone who draws the short straw, but it's hard to see that for someone who was recognized for working so hard. Yeah, and I think the outcome for him was going to be to make the 53-man roster again uh, because he was doing so well, and he's a someone who can help you on special teams and you're certainly going to get a long look there. When that first happened on Monday, I thought he had the breath knocked out of him. He kind of landed hard on the sideline, and then we stayed down, and you could see he was in pain and kind of tell from what trainers were doing to him as he headed to headed inside that it was there was uh, greater severity than just having your wind knocked out of you and you hate it for him as amy mentioned as you mentioned because he's such a hard-working guy an overachiever someone who made this roster last year and got an opportunity and felt like he was going to do the same again and now i think it opens up a spot for a lot of guys to try to seize whether it's Darius jennings or whether it's one of the newcomers that's here uh, I still think this team could potentially keep six receivers, but uh, I think Batson was going to be on in that group if they had kept six this year and he was would have been healthy. Anybody specific, you mentioned Jennings, anybody else specific that will benefit from more opportunities that you think has a chance to step up and be the number six? I mean, there's several guys who have flashed. I mean, Khalif Raymond seems like he's making plays out of here every day. Anthony Ratliff-Williams seems like he's making plays on a consistent basis. I mean, I can get to five pretty quickly when you look at receivers, you know, from Corey Davis to Adam Humphreys to Taewon to Tajay, uh, obviously A.J. Brown who hasn't been practicing, but that's five. So, so if there's another spot, it's going to have to come from – from one of those guys who's competing. And uh, I think these preseason games, the practices against the Patriots, what we continue to see in camp is really going to tell the story there. To me, what happens when something like this happens, all right, you could, and and I think Amy and and Jim are both uh, exactly right. He was looking like he was getting ready to make a move. And he was also, it was also looking like the way he's being utilized, that the staff was looking for him to make a move also. And so you, when, when you have that happen, what has to happen in your receiver room, now they clearly they brought in two other receivers, but these other guys that, that Jim has mentioned, they've not only get to move up in the lineup, they've got to move up in production and in what they are doing because they're not going to they are not going to get a job just given to them just because Batson got hurt they still have to perform to his level or more than what the coaches want to see and if that doesn't happen you'll see him churn the bottom of this roster some more stay with receivers for just a minute are we going too crazy over the performance so far in roughly a week of Adam Humphreys or is he as good as advertised I think he's been as good as advertised. I mean, uh, with that said, though, I mean, Corey Davis has been really good. I think Corey Davis has been the most consistent guy as far as the wow factor goes day in and day out. But Humphreys, is, is what impressed me most about him is just his ability to get open so quickly at the line of scrimmage, which is going to make him such a target in the red zone and in third and short situations. I mean, the cornerback's 
defensive backs are getting tired of, I think, hearing about him or seeing videos of him. Or well, you got people. some of that, didn't you? Yeah, I even have. I, mean, I work in-house, and I'm getting some of that. Uh, <laughs> some of the defensive backs not amused by how much praise he's getting. Yeah, and I, and I happened to be in the vicinity of Kerry Combs the other day shooting a video, and he was he was even giving me grief about <laughs> putting too many videos and photos out of, of receivers making plays. But Humphreys has been – I mean – you can't uh, deny the fact that he has been a consistent uh, guy in practice, making catches, getting open, uh, and that's a good thing. I mean, it's going to make the corners better. Uh, certainly going to make you know the receiving core better. It's going to help make Marcus Mariota better, and I think it's a positive development all around. But I, I think you know the work he did this off season, the familiarity he has with Marcus Mariota already is a great sign. Piggybacking off of what Jim said, I think that Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys have turned out to be what we wanted them to be so far. I mean, you have Adam Humphreys, who's the consistent veteran. He can lead those guys a little bit. He's able to get open in ways that just don't seem normal. I mean, it's ridiculous. Some we of the haven't ways. seen anything like what he does. I don't think the Titans have had a player like that. Right. So he's been maybe, able to. I mean, maybe back to even Derek Mason. That's the guy. Yeah. That is exactly the guy. But look, John Robinson knew exactly what this guy was. Sure. I mean, he was with him at Tampa Bay. And if you watch film, and if you watch film with your eyes open, you know what <laughs> he is, too. Because, I mean, I'm serious. You can see, I mean, this guy has gotten, and especially nowadays in the National Football League, with the way, way offenses are deployed and the way that, that, that you're restricted defensively as to how much contact you can make, you know, from people coming at you off the line of scrimmage, it's, it's ready-made. I mean, he's got a little sting stick move that is it's legit. And it's going to make everybody covering him better, which is what you're going to go through. But uh, he is a when you start to look at the number of his catches, his percentage of catches last year that went for first downs. This is a this is a, an ultimate chain mover. I did a thing for beneath the surface, you know, for the Titans here about a month ago, and uh, and and Dirk Cutter had lined him up in an eleven personnel, which is three wideouts, but he had put him outside, but it put him as an outside element off the line where he they couldn't get his hands on him. He shook and he ran a nice post pattern and caught about a forty six yard touchdown pass on the throw and catch in the end zone. So he's a multiple talented receiver, but the strength of his hands and the quickness of his feet, he's exactly what you want. And then we still have Corey Davis who's got the cut the who has the catch radius and who is able to make those big splash plays and do some of the things that we've seen him do before in previous years. So the two of them together are a combination that I think is just going to be lethal if they can keep going and continue to make progress. Should we be talking about Tajay Sharp more? I mean, I think Tajay's been very consistent, and not ju- just in camp but throughout the offseason. And, you know, I know – it just seems like the chatter that I hear from outside the building is people tend to dismiss him in conversations about the receiving core. I've heard a lot of people speculate that he might not make it. I mean, I'd be surprised if that's not the case because he's been good and he has been out there. He's been healthy. He's consistently made plays. I think he's comfortable now uh, at this stage of his career. Uh, but uh, he's probably the type of guy that's fine with not having people talk about him because uh and i think the titans probably fine with that too because I, I think he is going to be a someone that's gonna be able to help this team jim i'll start with you and i want to work all the way back around do you notice a difference in mike vrabel in training camp number two from how he was in training camp number one well he's as we all know i mean he's about as confident a guy as you're ever going to find uh, and that's how he deals with the players that's how he deals with the media um 
you know, I think in every approach, that's that's the thing about him I was most impressed with is he seemed like he'd been a head coach for five, six years when he started last year. And from that standpoint, I think I still see that swagger about him. But, you know, I think his confidence level and uh, and just how he relates with players, just a, another year, he's just better in, in every aspect of it. And I think players respect him just because he's consistent. You know what you're going to get. And uh, all the newness is kind of worn off. Well, they, this is the guy, kind of guy that they know and what, and they know exactly what to expect from him. Mike Vrabel's confidence level looks the same to me. The way the team responds to him looks different to me. Really? So I feel like he is the dominant presence out on the field. He is the same guy doing similar things to what we saw last year. I feel like the team is leaps and bounds from where it was last year at this time because they know what is expected of them. The expectations are already there. Practice is faster. Everything's moving more efficiently. Guys seem to know where to do, where to go and what to do and what's coming next. So it seems like everything's firing on all cylinders, not so much because Mike Vrabel has changed, but because this team knows what's going on now. I think the big thing, and a little bit, a little bit, it 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 dovetails off of what Amy said. Look, this group of players that have been with him, they understand now how he's going to react to good times and to adversity, and so they know that he's got their back. They know they can trust him. They know that he also is going to be always very honest with him. He's the first to take everything on himself if it doesn't work. I mean, and so those types of things. Once players know that. Well, then, you know, they're they're all in. They're all in. And, and until a head coach proves to you during the course of 16 weeks of a National Football League season, the up and downs of how he's going to handle it, it's all lip service until he proves how he's going to handle it. They've got total confidence in him. And, look, I've been a first-year head coach. I've been a second-year head coach. There is a difference just because you've got your cleats more in the ground. You understand a little more of what's going on with everything that surrounds the job not related to football. That's a big, big part of it. That, when you first start, there, that's a lot of stuff that weighs on your mind. You have to learn to compartmentalize that. You have to learn to allocate your time. He knows how to do all of that now. I love Mike, Mike Vrabel as a head coach. About three hours after we taped last week's OTP with John Robinson, we learned that Taylor Lewan has a four-game suspension pending. And that's been the dominant news story with the Titans since that time. It's been a lot of talk about it. Dave, as you have watched this team practice, how is the offensive line and the offense adjusting through what they're working on in camp, knowing that this four-game suspension to Lawan, the left tackle, is looming? Well, just today when you and I and, and Amy were standing together out there, we saw the different combinations that they're using, not only on the, on, the, on the two edges, but what they're doing interiorly too. So, they look, you have to adjust, and they've adjusted. This has happened to me before. It happened to me when I was a head coach of the Cardinals. My starting center was, was you know, that I had just acquired from another team in free agency, was suspended for the first four games. And clearly we had gotten him because we needed a center. Well, then you have to, you have to adjust. This, this group has already adjusted, and now they've got to work like that. They're going to work. This preseason is going to be big for this offensive line because they are not only going to work through schemes and plays. They are going to work through combinations, and that's extremely, extremely important. But they've already adjusted. You've got to move on. 
you have to move on because once the initial shock of what has happened comes on, that's in the past. That's behind you. You don't deal with that. You deal with what's ahead of you, and what's ahead of you is getting the best seven or eight active on Sunday and then figure out how those seven or eight figure into being able to work all those different positions. Not only his position, but the other positions also. You'd like to just have a one-for-one trade, but all of us sitting here at this table and all of our listeners to the OTP know it's not going to be like that. They're not going to be 100% healthy for four weeks. It just doesn't happen. So they're already making adjustments. We saw some of it today. We've seen it all throughout camp. All right, I've got two quick ones for you. The first one is, is it just going to be Dennis Kelly at left tackle? No. You you don't think so? It will not be. They they will try somebody else out there just to know because – it, it, you know, if it, it, if Dennis if if Dennis Kelly gets hit by a car, okay, well then you know you've got to have. Well, we some, don't want that. Well, I'm just saying it, it, it's it's what it's it's the truth. Sure. I mean, if if something happens, you you've got to make you've got to make contingency plans. Nobody wants anybody. And believe me, as a as a as a head coach, you're like a mother hen to all your players. You don't want none of them touched. You don't want them hurt. But you do know that you have to make contingency plans for it, and they're doing that right now. So. He will be. I think he will be the guy to start out there, and right. obviously, hopefully, he plays all the way through to the Super Bowl. You know, at at some position, Taylor will be back. But you've got to make contingency plans. You can't just say he's going to be there for these first four weeks and we're good because you don't know. All right, so we're seeing them do different things today. Corey Levin was the center, and Ben Jones moved to guard. Ben Jones has twenty nine starts at guard in his career, thirteen at right guard. So he's done that before. We saw Nate Davis, the rookie from Charlotte, get a lot of work at right guard on Monday with the first team. We've seen Pom Field in there. We've seen Jamel Douglas playing different spots. We've seen different things. From a coaching standpoint, if they had to line up and play Cleveland tomorrow, do you think the experimentation is trying to figure out what they'd like to do or do you think they already know what they're going to do? Oh, I think they know what they're going to do, but okay. they're trying to make contingency plans for something that you know. So pop- this is just to get looks and and get everybody familiar with things. Absolutely, and and you talk to me about the left tackle. I mean, one of the best left tackles out here on this team. I've seen him play it for sixteen games. Is Roger Saffold. I mean, Saffold. He can, started his career there. Well, yeah. I mean, I've had games with him in there. I mean, he's he's athletic enough to do it and smart enough to do it. So. You've got some some chances and some combinations out there, but to answer your question here, I think they know already what they want. They're just trying to they're just, they're just trying to back up their bets with a lot of different looks. Okay, good answer. Yeah, and you can't argue with Coach. I mean, I, I agree with him. I, I do think you know if there is a silver lining to having your starting left tackle suspended to four games, it is you get a chance, extended chance in training camp to see what other guys can do. I know initially when the news about Taylor came down the pike, there were a lot of questions about, well, I guess you work LeJuan, you know, in camp, and and then you sub somebody else in as you get close to the season, where if you do that, then you're wasting all these reps that other guys should be getting. Taylor's getting uh, mostly work with the backups, and I think that's going to continue. Obviously, he'll have to work some, so he'll be ready when he comes back, but uh, they're looking at a bunch of different guys, and uh, you know, the only thing that cons- I guess concerns me a little bit is that you know you want these guys to gel, you want them to have chemistry playing next to, get to one another, you want them to be able to know what they're doing, where it's almost second nature, and uh, eventually we have to get to the point where we lock guys in and then roll, and until then you've, you've got a lot of moving pieces that they're going to have to figure out 
figure that out. No, they'll get to that. They'll get to that quickly. But this is when you when you experiment. This is the time to do it. You don't you don't start experimenting week three and four of the preseason. This is when you start you start it right now. It'll be a, you'll see some of it. I think against the the Patriots in practice. And then they'll they'll start moving towards that. The other the other you know you talk about Taylor getting reps. Taylor needs to get reps for two reasons. First of all, he's going to be gone for a month. He's not going to get any football stuff for a month as far as just working on it. So that's important that he's able to do that. Okay, that's important there. But also he's got to take these reps because if he doesn't take these reps out here, somebody else's legs are getting those reps that are going to have to play. And so that's important. Numbers of reps and legs are important in camp. I mean, that, that is just something that's fact. How much will he play, Taylor, in the preseason games? Probably not much. Okay. Probably not much. He may do some just to do what I, you know, what I, what I've said, right. just because of reps on legs. Reps on legs are huge in camp for a lot of different positions. For every position, it's important, and uh, I mean, you all see it, and, and that's why you bring so many receivers and so many DBs into camp. Not only because there's a lot of numbers at those positions, but those hamstrings and those legs are the ones that get torqued the longest every day. Are we seeing Jack Conklin reasserting himself? I think so. I think Jack has said himself that he feels like he's better than he was pre-injury. So I think that we're seeing him. He looks a little bit slimmer. He looks like he's more muscular. He, I mean, he looks fantastic. And I think that we're getting the Jack Conklin that we all expected to be the continuation after the all-pro season his rookie year. So he has high expectations for himself. I think he's feeling good getting back into the groove, being back on the field with the guys, and that can only be good as the preseason continues. Jack Conklin was not healthy last year. Nope. I mean, you know, fact. Fact. I mean, just, you know, from my eyeballs, which, I mean, that's it's not the old, no all to be all, but – he wasn't healthy last year completely and was trying to play when he wasn't. And then by the time he was shut down, it was time to be shut down. He is healthy now. And I agree. I agree 100% with Amy Wells. He looks a lot better and he looks like he looked before he didn't look like Jack Conklin. I like his attitude too. I mean, right out of the gate. I mean, he says, Hey, I'm this team starting right tackle. I want to prove again that I could be an all pro player and be one of the best tackles in this league. I'm sure he's tired of hearing about how he played last season, how he didn't meet expectations. I'm sure he's tired of hearing the chatter about what he, whether he could get bumped inside to play guard. You know, he wants to prove himself and, uh, uh, you know, obviously it would have been great if he could have worked throughout the offseason, but to kind of get healthier and to get his mind right to start camp, I think it's based on what I've seen so far, I think it's paid off. All right, I want to go to tight end. And, Jim, I want you to start with this. Delaney Walker is Delaney Walker. And we won't know until he plays in games, but he sure does look like the guy he's been the last six years here. So he's, he's on the football team. Jonu Smith is on physically unable unable to perform right now, uh, coming back from his knee injury. But he's going to be on the football team at some point. He's obviously playing really well when he got hurt last year. Outside of that, what's going on at tight end? Who's grabbing you? Who's taking a step forward? Well, I mean, Michael Pruitt obviously – 
has the confidence of the coaching staff. You, can t- you know they love him. He's getting a lot of opportunities. He's got a lot of work this offseason. But I have to say, Anthony Furcher is a guy that catches my eye in practice. He catches everything once again. I think he caught 19 out of 20 targets last year when he played. He knows he's got to get better as a blocker. He talked about that after practice the other day, something that he's worked on. But his strength is going to be uh, catching the football. And, and he's getting open. He's doing that again. So, when you do the math at that position, I mean, is Johnny Smith going to be ready when the season starts? I don't know. So uh, when I do the math now, I get to, I talk, count Delaney Walker. I count Michael Pruitt. I count uh, Anthony Furcher as three with a question mark about Johnny. And then you'll wonder if there's a fourth. I mean, I, I can't help but notice Ryan Hewitt a little bit, who's worked at fullback. Uh, in addition, you know, to tight end, he's a versatile guy who can do a couple of things. I'm curious to see how he plays out during the course of – the preseason I think the tight end position is one where everyone sees a lot of question marks Delaney Walker he's coming back we don't know where he's going to be John New Smith what's his timeline but as you start to go down the list Michael Pruitt as Jim had said has had a great camp Anthony Ferkser's had a great camp Parker Hesse's a guy who kind of came out of nowhere but has been making some plays and grabbing people's attention in practice. Ryan Hewitt, Cole Wick. Like, there are guys who are consistently showing up in practice, and the more you think about it, the more you're like, oh, well, this could be okay, guys. <laughs> like, I, I think the Titans have plenty to choose from in that group. It's just seeing who rises to the top as we continue through camp. Yeah, a big part of this group is, uh, and again, when, when the Patriots come in here to practice, uh, that that the 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 people you know the the guys at the end you know Cole Hewitt you know uh, Brian Hewitt uh, Parker Hesse Cole Wick those guys when you let's watch them against the Patriots let 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 let's check them out a little bit when they get somebody in a different you know colored helmet and a different colored jersey across from them because we know what these other guys are going to do Anthony Ferkser was a big part of this offense last year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean he you know in calling ball games now Mike you you know he made a lot of big plays. You're catching the football. But these other guys, the way this offense is going to be set up, and I'm going to tell you somebody else is going to take some of the load off of that if he's healthy and back and doing things he needs to be, is A.J. Brown's going to take some of that load off because of this. He's not a tight end, but he's going to take those between-the-number throws. And that's that's what you're looking for with you know from that position. David Flewellen gets some of that in terms of lining up as the offset and with the added weight, having the chance to play some fullback. Yeah, I, to me, Flew's a little bit different than that. I mean, he doesn't. I don't. I don't think he quite, you know, has you know has enough water in his bucket as far as being able to sit up in there all the time and take on those people and be able to take be able to take big time chips off of off of offensive tackles and do those things. He can do that, but I think what what his value will be is more as a is more as a move guy. You know, move guy because he's more when I when you when you watch him with his blocking and stuff, he does better. He does better on the move blocking rather from just stationary. You know, that's what you look for. Uh, yeah, I, I think his added weight has helped him. But to me, these guys, I really want to see them against New England's people when they come out here. That's going to be interesting for me to watch because you're going to want to see that. And then, as I said, A.J. Brown gets back just within the scheme of offense, catching balls between the numbers and, the, and, and those, those hash catches, those quick throws. He is that dude. We have only been through five training camp practices, and Coach Mack wants to go up against somebody already. He's tired of these practices. He wants an opponent. No, I like that. I, I'm not tired of them. You I look just, like I, you're, I, you're I ready just, to see some I, activity. Well, no, I like it. I've it's good. A, I've seen a lot of activity, but I do know <laughs> this. It's different when you go against different people because, because once, you, once, you, once, you get, once you get comfortable – 
as a player as to who you're going against and what's going on. You can compete all you want, but look, if, I, if I'm going against Jim Wyatt every day in, in practice, he's a receiver, I'm a, I'm a cover player, I know what he's going to do. I know his splits. I know how he lines up. I know how he runs his routes. I know how this. So even if I'm not trying to, mentally I can cheat it. You know, mainly I can do and what I want to do and, and what I always what I want to do as a coach, what these guys want to do and what the players want to do. They always about, you know, it's getting close to the time where they're going to want to line up against somebody else and test all of these things that, you know, that, that they've done. And it's just a, it brings another dimension into your evaluation. So this entire OTP so far, we've talked about offense the whole time we've talked about offense. And that is where the majority of the questions are. Jim Wyatt, what do we know about the Titans' defense a weekend? I mean, I, I like the look of the secondary, even though certainly they're battling, uh, I guess, receivers and some of these drills that are where they're at a disadvantage. Uh, I think they're scrappy. Uh, you know, I've noticed, you know, Logan Ryan, Kenny Vaccaro being very active, even in blitz situations where they're coming after the quarterback and guys are making plays on the ball. I mean, I, when I look at the defense, uh, the secondary jumps out to me. And it's not just the guys I mentioned. I think what makes you feel good about that, knock on wood, is that depth is good too. I, mean, I think Ty Smith had a really good camp. Uh, I, I like you know the looks of LaShawn Sims. Uh, I think they're deep. And continue with the secondary. you got like Imani Hooker and Dane Crookshank. I mean, the, the secondary gets my attention uh, when I look at the defense as a whole. Look, this defense. When I, I every practice I've been to, which is all of them, which just is like all, all of you them. guys have, <laughs> the thing I see immediately: this is a confident defense. This is because a loud talking defense is a confident defense. As a coach, if you're out there and you're and you don't hear anything on defense, that's a problem. They talk, they communicate. I mean, they know. Look, I love you guys. Know I love Dean Pease. As why? A why? Why do you like what he does so much? Well, it, first of all, because he knows what the hell he's doing. Well, that's, that's a number plus. One. Yes. I mean, and, and that's and that and he's 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 proven that he knows what he's doing, and he's a tremendous communicator and teacher. Okay. I mean, I watched one of these first red zone drills they did out here, and the and the the offense was running a little combination, you know, nine ball stack, three men on one side, shortcut on the other, running a back line on them, trying to grab with that one of those stick routes inside, grab the rat player that's down playing the low hole so they can throw behind him. And so Dean Pease went, okay, fine. And so then, you know, once the, once the drill's over, he gets everybody over there in that little mid-walk through that they do, which is brilliant. You know, they give him a little rest and talk to him, say, okay, here, here's what they're doing. And here's how you combat it, because you're going to see it again in team. So here's what they're doing, you know, dut, 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 bam, everybody got it, let's go. That type of thing to me is is invaluable. When you have veteran players, and not only veteran players, even younger players, but your defensive coordinator can make adjustments on the run like that, He's a, he's a really good progression teacher. He's got excellent assistant coaches. I watch all those drills. I just I, I believe in Dean Pease. I, I knew guys that worked in the league when Dean Pease was a coordinator at Baltimore. They absolutely loved him, not only but just because he's a good person, but he knows ball. And you can know ball, but if you can't communicate ball to the players, it's, it, there's no good. He can communicate it to his players, and they trust him. And, and I love what he's doing. This is a very confident defense out here. Coach, does it seem to you that there's less stopping everything and teaching and there's more fine-tuning and refining things as this defense works? Damien, it's a good point, and, and it comes with, with this being the second year of, of what he's doing, okay? Because when you, when you 
put new defenses in. I mean, when you put a whole new defense in, I mean, I've done this a couple of places. You know, everybody has to be coached nearly every play because it just looks different on the field than it does on a, on, on a whiteboard or on the on a screen. And so you get them out there. But now they can play in free. Now, now he's able to start adding. It's like Legos. He's able, able to start adding on the basics. And when you're able to add to the basics, then you've got something. But you can't add until you have people that understand what you're supposed to do from the from the basic part of it he's got that he's got that in spades right now with his guys and they want you can tell they want more they want more now and when you get a defense wanting more you're you're in the you're in a groove that you want to be in as a coordinator okay wrap up this edition of the otp with the player that you are most interested to watch the guy who needs to make a move before we get on that plane to philadelphia next wednesday for the thursday night preseason game I'm going to let Jim White start because I'm sure he'll have like nine. Jim White <laughs> cheats every time we do this, so just go first. Jim. Well, I'm going for, I'm going to go with two just because it's – He's going with two, not I the guy. I told you, he of cheats. Course, yeah. He cheats every yeah. time. Really because – It's his game. Uh-huh. These guys, you know, in the last couple of days we've seen Nate Davis and we've seen Corey Levin both work inside with the first group. So I think those two – uh, I think, as Coach Mike said, eventually they're going to have to settle in and pick the group that they're rolling with into Cleveland. But this is the time when you start, when you continue to look at some of the young guys, and both of them are getting opportunities. I think they'll continue to get opportunities. So this is a big week, I think, for them to prove, hey, I, I can do this, and consider me before you make a final decision. I don't think he cheated there. I know he used two, Amy, but I, I think he, he makes a pretty good point. I just don't like fudging the rules. All right, well, you get <laughs> yeah. one then. Okay, mine is someone we've already talked about, but it's Darius Jennings. Okay. I think that before Cameron Batson went on injured reserve, he was gunning for his job. So while you hate to see a guy go on IR, I think if this is Darius Jennings, he dodged a bit of a bullet. So it's time for him to step up, prove that he deserves to keep the spot that he earned last year. He had a great year last year. But it's time for him to make the next step and really earn and keep the spot on his on this roster. DeAndre Walker for me. Really? Th- th- yeah, this this next week you're gonna see him start start to make a move because you know he was he was he had the he had the groin injury, you know, coming in, worked through that during the OTA, so he missed some of the OTA work on the field. You can see him now. I mean, I just I went back and checked my notes again after I vetted him watching him. You know, I mean he didn't start for three years, but he played a lot of ball in the three years. He wasn't a starter at Georgia because they roll their defense like most professional fronts do. I mean, they roll they roll their defense. This guy, you know, as I said, I went back and looked up my notes. I love his get off. I like the fact that even though he's 6'2", he plays longer because of his arms. He plays long. Uh, I've seen him make plays in space on special teams. And the other thing I like is, and he's going to be do this in this multiple front, at, at Georgia he was really proficient at running a lot of TE and ET games. And I'll explain that by saying TE games are when a tackle and the end are lined up together and the tackle goes first and the end comes underneath. You have to have a feel for how to set it up, how to rip through a gap, you know, how to be able to defeat a shoulder block. He's been able to do that really well at Georgia. I saw some of it out here today. I'm looking for him to make a move next week. If he can really come on, boy, that adds a lot to that outside linebacker core. Well, and that's why they, that's why they drafted him because right. because he had he was a productive player. 
He was a productive player, but his first three years he just didn't have the number of reps because they got good players at Georgia. Oh, yeah. In case nobody's checked, I mean they especially been, on defense. Especially on defense, they got good players, and so he was rotating in with a big group. But this guy, this guy, I mean, I'm going to watch him next week. I would look for him to make a move next week because he's he hasn't had the same amount of time on the field as these other guys have had. Now he's catching up a little. All right. Well, let me ask you about one more before I give mine. Roberson. The outside linebacker from Sam Houston State. What have you seen from Derek Roberson so far? Got a lot of raw skills. He's got a lot of raw bend, edge ability. You know, he me- he needs more strength at the POA or point of attack. He needs more. He needs more of that. He did not. You know, he didn't play at Georgia. Okay, he didn't. Right. You know, he did, he he played down there where he was way better. Way better just stepping on the field than, than most everybody he played against. He's got some really nice skills as far as movement and closing. He just needs – and you see, you'll see, you see Mike Vrabel working with him a lot with his hands. And a lot of those guys that come out of college you know, are, are, very, are very deficient as defensive players using their hands because they're able to get away with just speed and jazz play a lot of times in college. you got to use your hands in the National Football League on defense. He'll learn that. He'll learn some knockback. He's a little further away to me just because he's got a little further to go physically to catch up. Yeah, it's funny you got praised today by Vrabel for breaking up a fight. We kind of had our first skirmish in practice today and Vrabel pointed Roberson out for having the maturity to step in there and break him up. They so so he totally, see this is audio, but I can just describe the look on Amy Wells' face right now. I'm not interested in anybody who's here to break up fights. <laughs> they could have used him in Cincinnati it. last so night. So I can get Mills that, uh, Lane for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate Jim, the maturity, Jim, and we Jim, want a good the contributor. The three sitting here at the, at, the, at the flame table is a rough group. It's tough crowd. <laughs> it's tough crowd. My, my guy that I want to see in the next week before we get on the plane to Philadelphia is Khalif Raymond. Khalif Raymond is probably, to me, the guy who benefits the most, unfortunately, from the Cameron Batson injury. And I say unfortunately because I agree with all of you. Cam was doing a great job and was in great shape to make the roster. But Raymond's the same kind of player. He has returnability as Batson does. And he's probably the second fastest guy on this roster outside of Batson. The other thing about Khalif Raymond, too, that people don't realize, this is his fourth year out of college. He was with Denver. He's been with the Giants. He he had a chance to get some playing time there. I mean, he's got some experience, as Coach likes to say. He's got a little water in his bucket. And so far, he has been double-dog dangerous in one-on-one drills. Going to be interested to see if he can keep it up because there's always the guy – who flashes that first week, and then he comes back to the pack. And it's offense and defense. I mean, you'll see those guys, and and maybe it's a, a nick. Maybe it's guys catch up with him. Maybe, you know, whatever it is. But can he keep it up? Because if he does, he's. I think he's an interesting player to watch. And, and the fact that he's not like a true rookie, that he's not 22 years old, I think would help this ball club right now, especially if he can be a returner. Great point. Did you know that Khalif Raymond has the highest Madden speed rating on this team? I did not know that. He does. There you go. These well, are things well, that I keep Cameron in my Batson brain. Cameron Batson are guys who have run in the four threes. Mm-hmm. And Khalif Raymond, you know, he's from Atlanta, but played at Holy Cross. And so it really kind of a, a circuitous route to get back to this part of the country. I hope our listeners really appreciate 
the wisdom around the Mac and Three table. I just <laughs> we've got a lot of stuff. We to got contribute. we got anger. We got uh-huh. wisdom. We got Jim Wyatt breaking <laughs> the rules. Yeah, we've got a lot going on. All right, so. Uh, the team back on the field uh, on Thursday, we'll have a chance to see that practice. The 9.30 practice on Friday is open to the public. Yep. And then want to make sure everybody knows about the kickoff party Saturday night, Nissan Stadium, sponsored by Pinnacle. What is the pup rally thing? The pup rally thing is the coolest part of the day. All right. It's brought, I can tell you who it's brought to you by. It's yeah. pen, uh, brought to you by Pedigree mm-hmm. and, and also the Nashville Humane. So what happens there? You can adopt a pup? Heck yes, you can. So it's up on the concourse. Outside gate one. Outside of gate one. And they just fill it with puppies. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Do it's, you just take one? No. I, I mean, you have to go, like, you have to get approval to take it. You can't, you can't just, just Can you take it into the it. game? No. Well, Maybe. I would, but there's puppies everywhere. And so you can walk up. They're all available to be adopted. There's people there to help you go through that process. But if you come, you'll see me whimpering in a corner somewhere because I want to take all the dogs home. So if for no other reason, come for that. But it's Will Derek really, Roberson have to help you? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it is an overwhelmingly cute experience. Amy, do you know how all in I am on the pup rally? I'll tell you what. I went last year, Coach. My parents were there and had to like physically walk me out of there the only because that, I wanted no, all of the puppies. The only person at this table that likes dogs more than you do is, is me. you. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will mm-hmm. be right in the middle of the pup rally. Okay, so it's, it's great. It's free to get in. It's free to park. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of kids stuff. Reduced price concessions. Um, Jake Owens playing. Jake Owens playing. There There's will fireworks, be fireworks. Autographs. Yep. So I mean, wh- what do you want? And you could get your new best friend you there. Can get your new, you can and actually. And it's going to be a very competitive practice, too. Mike Vrabel described oh, yes, it today. Oh, yes. What about that? He's yeah. dividing up the teams, and uh, they're going to go out. Not going to be tackling, but it's going to be a, a competitive deal. I know a lot of fans were upset last year because it was more of a situational practice. Well, that's uh, what I thought it was going to be again, and then they come out with all this, and it's like, what? So no, it's, it's savage, to too, because they got to draft their own guys and their coaches yeah and their coaches no, so this it, is it, every man for himself i've been through this before in my years in the league it'll be rocking now <laughs> this is this gets it's training camp and you're always looking for a little extra juice as you dip into it this is extra juice this That's might good. be the fights we're looking it's for. good stuff so you no can fights, actually Amy. you can come to nissan stadium and get something to eat and watch the practice and everything cheaper than you can go to the movies. The whole experience could cost you 15 bucks if you work it right. And you could get a puppy. <laughs> wow. You're pushing the dog thing. Well, just don't, don't take her. the I'm ones that her. I want. That's I'm, all I'm saying. I'm all on Amy Wells' side about the dog. Well, it's a great thing. I, th- I hope this is going to become a tradition. I think, I mean, this is, last year all of the dogs were adopted and then people were so interested they had to find more puppies to get adopted. Well, that's good. Which is really great. But I think Vrabel wants the whole thing. I was kind of going beyond that. Oh, I'm th- very locked in. I know you really are. <laughs> and I think it's great. But I think Vrabel would like to see this become an every year deal. He's mm-hmm. all he and John Robinson are all in on this thing. Yeah, he, Vrabel said today he wants thirty thousand people there. That was shooting high. Yeah, I heard him say that. I don't that. think that's shooting high. It's free. The whole thing. I mean, well, if parking. you come out and get yes. food, that's your only. Well, expense. you're parked. Yeah. Then you're parked downtown, basically. Yeah, come hang out after the fireworks. Walk over the bridge. Enjoy Broadway. 
You're and welcome. I, and I think uh, take with, your dog. Pu- with your new puppy. Yeah, I don't take think your dog. you probably want to take your new dog down on Just call it an emotional support animal. No, no. Gosh. <laughs> I will say that, uh, and we're going to have it on Titans Online, I'm, and I'm sure uh, fans need to pay attention, I guess, to the Department of Transportation because I, we have some road closures, I know, the bridge, downtown. Uh, the uh, exit ramps. The so, only way you're going to be able to get into Nissan Stadium is via downtown. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really important because the ramps are being worked on this weekend, which obviously they have to do in August. I mean, right. this is, you know, you do those sorts of things during the summer. But, yeah, if you're trying to come and, and get off, uh, that's not going to work. So you'll want to make sure and come from downtown. That's a great point, Jim. Take a lift. Mm-hmm. There or, you go. Help me help you. Wow. And I want people there. I want them to hang out with us. It's going to be an incredible night. You can get a dog. What more could you want in a Saturday night? And you in Nashville? don't want to fight, you, hey, Mike. I, I know. Well, I'm Coach, not fighting. This is Mac and Three, and I'm not in charge of this. You are, but if you don't end this pretty soon, she's going to forearm every one of us right in the head. <laughs> it's she's done. very excited. She, she is fired up for the Mac of Mac and Three. <laughs> Titans Radio's head coach Dave McGinnis, and for the great Jim White of TitansOnline.com. And for Amy Wells, who maybe has gone over the line. My name is Mike (laughs) Keith, and this is the OTP.